and uh, he called. He just spoke at a, a conference here in, in Albuquerque this last week, and he called and said, man, I, I love what you guys are doing at the Grove. Um, I, he wants to, he, him and his wife are going to plant a church. He said, I want to come see what you guys are doing uh, just to kind of learn, and I said, hey, you're, man, I, I think you're a fantastic communicator. Why don't you share with us? And so a few months ago, we, we connected, and, and he said he would love to come and share. And so he's been here early, helping us set up, asking a lot of questions and seeing the process. And so it's been great. Uh, but Nate, is, uh, he's been married four years uh, to his wife, Anna, who's not with him. Uh, but she teaches. She's a teacher back home. why she could come. And uh, they're from Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. And uh, I'm excited for Nate because as he prepares his journey, uh, there's, I, I love tr- people that, that are going to step out in faith and do something that's so challenging and incredible that takes everything that you have uh, to, to start something new and, and start a church. And so I'm, I'm glad he's here with us today, and I think you're going to, I know you're going to enjoy him. Uh, team, team service, we had him speak, and he did an incredible job. And so, uh, Nate, why don't you come on up, stand on your feet. Let's welcome him, Nate Clark, uh, to the stage today. Thanks, Dan. Good morning. How are we? Anybody glad to be in church this morning? Come on, let me see you. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I'm, I'm so excited to be here in Santa Fe. As Pastor Eric said, I come from Richmond, Virginia, a few miles away. And uh, this is my first time in Santa Fe. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's an amazing city. I, uh, we, me and Pastor Eric went all around the plaza. Is that right? Plaza? Is that what you call it? The plaza? And uh, he, he kind of gave me the tour of the city and was, uh, was just uh, sharing a lot of cool things about the city here and the people. And, uh, you know, uh, th- there's a lot of places I get to go and a lot of pastors I get to meet. And I'm telling you this with every bit of sincerity in my heart. There's very few pastors that I know and talk to that love their city as much as your pastor loves this city. Did you know that? And listen, you... you you already know this, but I just want to tell you from, from an outside voice coming in, you guys are so blessed to have Pastor Eric as your pastor, and he has a heart for you and for the city. So come on, give, give it up for Pastor Eric, man. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your investment into me as, as a future church planter. I've, I'm encouraged. I'm built up already because of my time here, and so thank you, man. Thank you for that. And I'm excited to share God's Word with you today. And uh, for a few minutes, really, um, I'm I'm going to pose a question to us today, and hopefully over our next few minutes together, we can answer that question. And the question is simply this. I know I've asked it before, and even you see people in the scriptures ask it, and maybe you've found yourself asking this question. And the question is this. It's, can God really be trusted? Can, can God really be trusted? Because if, if you look at the scriptures and, and the call of Jesus on our lives, you know, the, the call to follow Jesus is a massive one. Am I right? It's, it's not a small one. It's not one that affects just a little section of your life or just a day of your week. But, but the true call to follow Jesus, the true call to be a disciple of him, is something that involves all of you just diving right into the deep end. It's, it's a kind of all-in or nothing thing. And so a very legitimate question I think we can ask ourselves, but if, if, if we're going to follow Jesus and do this, is how do I know I can trust God? Because if we're honest, we've had trust broken before, right? Everybody in my town likes the Washington Redskins, so they get trust broken every year. <laughs> I don't like them, though, so I'm happy, you know. Right? Like we, we, we trust things or we trust people or we trust organizations maybe sometimes. And the reality is that trust can maybe get broken sometimes. And so because of that, we become hesitant to trust, right? I think if we're not careful, we can become hesitant to trust God. And so I want to... Really ask the question and answer the question today. 
how do we know we can trust God? How do we know we can dive right in the deep end and, and follow Jesus and go after him with all we've got and know that we can trust him? And there's a story in the Bible, uh, the book of Daniel, the context of the story of the book of Daniel. It's, it's about this man, Daniel, and he's taken captive to, to a foreign kingdom called Babylon. And, and there, the Bible tells us that Daniel is very sharp, he's very smart, he's very handsome, he's, 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 he's a great guy, and he, he's taken captive to Babylon, and he's being forced to work in the Babylonian government, in, in their kingdom, in their empire. So he's learning the ways of Babylon, and the culture of Babylon, and, and, and he's, he's taken captive there in a foreign land. And Daniel loves God, he's the man of God, but he's working and living now in a culture that doesn't love God. Doesn't that sound familiar, that someone that worships God but lives in a culture that doesn't love God? Isn't that much like we're in today, trying to, to live, God, live for God and follow Jesus in a world that that's not really popular, or that's not what the norm is? And So we learn a lot from Daniel, but there's this one chapter of Daniel, chapter 6, where Daniel uh, goes through a series of events and he's tossed into the lion's den. Daniel receives a death sentence, and he's thrown into the lion's den to be killed, and the following day, Daniel is pulled out of the lion's den, and here's what the Bible says. It tells us how he was rescued and how he was not harmed. The Bible tells us this in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 23. It says, When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. The Bible is very clear to tell us Daniel was rescued from the lions, not because he fought them off or because the lions had just eaten and they weren't hungry, so they left him alone, but... Daniel was rescued. Daniel was part of a miracle. Daniel experienced the power of God. He was rescued because he trusted God. He's somebody that we, we know from this verse that the, 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 the previous verses and the, the context of the story up to this point, we know Daniel trusted God. He trusted him. He leaned into him. He gave him all he had. And I think there's some things from the story here that we can learn about Daniel Trusting God. You know, when Daniel first got to Babylon, to the foreign kingdom, the Bible says again that he was a handsome man, he was a smart man, he was a wise man. And so he was working in the government, and because he was gifted by God, he was moving on up the ladder. You know, I love that God gives good gifts to his children. Did you know this? That, that, that God anoints his children and gives his children gifts and talents and abilities. Like, look, there's a reason I wasn't brought here this morning to lead worship. <laughs> that ain't my gift. <laughs> Y'all be like, oh, yeah, I think we got to go. You know, <laughs> like, like that's not my gift. But aren't, aren't you glad there's people in the body of Christ that have the gifts to do that? And, and that's the great thing about the body of Christ is God gifts us with all kinds of things. But how many know when God gifts us with something, it's not to be used for our own glory, but for God's glory. He gifts us so that we can use our gifts and abilities to serve God and to serve others and serve his kingdom. And this is what Daniel is doing. Daniel is gifted, Daniel is talented, and he's doing well in the government, in his government work. And so much so, the Bible says King Darius, he's the king at the time, he planned to put Daniel over the entire kingdom. Come on, this promotion day, this is a good day for Daniel. He's about to be put over the whole kingdom. Like God is blessing him in this foreign land. God is blessing his work. God is blessing what he's doing. But how many know when God is doing something in your life and when you're serving him and when you're following him, not everyone will be your biggest fan. <laughs> not everyone will be in your corner. Not everyone will be cheering you on. Not everyone will have your back. You will face opposition. 
fact, Jesus even tells us that. He says, in this world you will experience trials of many kinds, but take courage because I've overcome the world. And this is what happened to Daniel. Daniel is about to get promoted. It's a good season for Daniel. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure he's excited about it. But the guys that worked alongside Daniel did not want Daniel to get promoted. And so they began to work and do everything they could to, to find an area of Daniel's life that they could use and charge him with and take him out. So they began to look through his life and dig through his stuff. And maybe Daniel lied in a meeting. Or maybe Daniel cut a corner because it was better for business. Or maybe Daniel didn't have integrity at this one spot. And they began to look through Daniel's life. And I love that the Bible tells us they could find no corruption in Daniel. Daniel didn't just claim to worship God with his mouth. But evidently, Daniel's life showed that he worshipped God. He did everything he could to live a life of integrity and to live a life that honors God. And it reminds me of a verse in 1 Peter that says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. I love that these people that worked with Daniel and knew Daniel and spent a lot of time with Daniel, they looked at him and they said, man, this guy tries to do things right. There was one thing they noticed about him, though, one thing that stuck out to them. And that one thing they noticed about Daniel was that he was very committed to the law of his God. Isn't it funny that people that didn't know God or didn't follow God were able to see Daniel and see he loves God? Did you know that the people that you work with and that you live in this community with and that you grocery shop with and you go to school with, did you know those those people, they might not know Jesus, but they ought to be able to look at our lives and tell, hey, they're committed to Jesus. And so these guys, they saw Daniel and they knew, hey, if we're going to take Daniel out, if, if he's not going to get put over the whole kingdom, if we're going to bring him down, it's going to have to do with his God. Because that's, that's where he's committed. So they propose this plan. They, they go to King Darius and they're like kind of sucking up to him a little bit. Oh, great, mighty king, you're so awesome and majestic. And they go to King Darius and they say, hey, King Darius, we have an idea. We have a plan. We have a law we want to propose to you. Let's, let's make a law that says if we pray, anyone in the whole kingdom prays to anybody but you. You're great. You're mighty. You're, you're the king. If they pray to anyone else but you, for the next 30 days they get thrown in the lion's den. They get a death sentence. We kill them. Everyone's got to worship you and pray to you. And King Darius, he's a godless king. He's a prideful king. So, so this was like, this was music to his ears. <laughs> Pray to me. I, I, I'm, I'm king. I'm God. And King Darius loved the idea. And the Bible tells us that he signs the law. He, he signs the decree. It is now set in stone, signed, sealed, delivered. Anyone now for the next 30 days that prays to anybody but the king gets tossed in the den. Right after he signs that law, here's what verse number 10 tells us in Daniel chapter 6. Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Come on, I love that because Daniel didn't care. <laughs> just as he had done before, he heard the law was published, he went home, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, he cried out to God, just like normal. What he was really doing, though, was falling right into their trap, right? 
Like, they knew he was going to do that. They wanted him to do that. That was the plan. They wanted to take him out. And so Daniel falls right into their plan, right into their trap. Scripture tells us he's arrested. He's brought before the king. And the king was in a tough spot because, remember, the king loved Daniel. He was going to promote him. They worked together. The king didn't want to kill Daniel. But because of how the law was signed, the king had no options. There were no exceptions, no loopholes. This, this was the law. And so the king's heart was grieved, the Bible tells us, but he was out of options. And the king had to give the command, throw him, throw him in the den, he's guilty. And the next day is when we read in verse 23, Daniel was lifted from the den, wasn't harmed. Not a scratch, not a bruise. Daniel was not harmed because he trusted. He had trust in his God. I think there's some things from the story that we can that we can learn or pull from about what it looks like for me and you to trust God. Daniel's an example of someone that trusted God with, with boldness and confidence. He was unwavering. He had a trust in him. And I think there's some things we can learn and apply to our lives from the story of Daniel about how we can trust God. Come on, anybody want to trust God more today than you did yesterday? Trust him more tomorrow than we did today? Come on, we want to be people that trust God. And Daniel shows us a few things. The first thing I think that we see from the story of Daniel is this. It's that trusting God looks like obedience to God. So, verse number 10, it says, When Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home and prayed. Right? When Daniel learned the law was signed, he went home and prayed. Okay? Translation, when Daniel learned, if you pray, you will die, he prayed. When Daniel learned, if you pray right now, that promotion you're about to get is going bye-bye. Then he prayed. When Daniel learned, if you pray to God right now, life will get very inconvenient and very uncomfortable very fast. And then he prayed. See, Daniel had a decision to make. Do I obey God and then things might get rough and I have no idea what to expect and no idea what's going to go on and this doesn't make a lot of sense right now. Or do I just not, not obey? It's only for 30 days. It's no big deal. I love that Daniel shows us an important principle about what it means to trust God is that when we trust God, we obey Him. We obey Him even when we don't understand it. When we trust God, we obey God, even when it makes a lot more sense not to do so. Daniel showed us, man, I'm going to trust God against all odds. I'm going to trust God even when I don't understand. I'm going to trust God even though it might cause some problems and it might not look good. I don't understand. I don't know. But because I trust you, God, I'm going to obey you. Trusting God looks like obedience to God. It's not something that we just say with our mouths, but it's something that we decide every decision we make. Man, am I going to trust God with my decisions? Am I going to give my, God my obedience? But how many people are like me? When, when, when you make a decision like Daniel to trust God against all odds, to trust God when you don't understand, to trust God when it doesn't make sense, when you do that, you do it believing for the best, right? Come on. You, you do it believing God is with you. You do it saying, God, I don't know how this mountain in front of me is going to move, but I believe you're greater and you can do it. 
God, I believe you're greater than my problem. I believe that you have answers for the questions that I have. And, and God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know you do. And I'm taking a step of faith, believing you for the best. Come on, anybody take a step of faith and believe God for the best when we do it. Saying, God, you're with me. You can do it. <laughs> but if you're like me, I'm a planner and kind of OCD and like to have things scheduled and straight and together. And, you know, so these acts of faith, when I don't understand, are hard for me, right? Because I like to know how it's going to work. And so if you're anything like me, you're like, God, I don't understand. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But God, I'm trusting you and I'm going to take a step of faith in obedience. But God, by Tuesday at lunch, I need an answer. And this is how you're going to do it, right? <laughs> come on, any unspiritual people in the house like me, you like to tell God how to come through for you. <laughs> Man. If, if I'm Daniel, honestly, in Daniel chapter 6, right, we, we've heard the law has been signed. If I pray, it's going to get tough. If I pray, I might, right? So we have a decision to make. And we're going to decide we're going to obey. We're going to trust God. We're going to lean into God. And so if I'm Daniel right now, I'm saying, God, I'm going to trust you, and I believe you can save me, right? God, I believe you can save me. I, I, I believe that you, you will do a miracle, and I won't get harmed. I, I won't get killed. You'll save me. And honestly, my first thought, if I'm Daniel, I'm, I'm, I'm at my house. I'm in my home. Remember, Daniel was praying in his home. And I'm in my home, and I'm like, all right, if I pray, it could get bad right now. But you know what, God? You could do a miracle right here in my home. You could rescue me in my home. The Lord could blind the eyes of everyone around me, right? <laughs> and rescue me right here in my home. I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust God and God's going to come through. I won't get caught in my home. You know the story. Daniel gets down on his knees and prays. And then, boom, they come in. Caught, arrested, you know? <laughs> if I'm Daniel, I'm probably like, all right, Lord. <laughs> You know, I'm trusting you, you know, like obeying you and you didn't come through for me right there in my home. And so now we're being arrested and we're on the way to the palace to appear before the king. And now if I'm Daniel, I'm thinking this. OK, God, you did not rescue me in my home, but you're going to rescue me in the palace. Because, God, you've given me favor with the king. God, you've you've given me favor in the government and and you've given me favor with with the king and the kingdom. And God, you are going to do a miracle right here in the palace. And in the palace, I'm going to be rescued. I'm going to be saved. God, I'm not going to be harmed right here in the palace because you're going to save me because I'm believing you in faith. You know, the story He gets before the king in the palace. And that's not what happens. The king says, my, my hands are tied. There's nothing I can do. And all of a sudden, the command is given. And now, Daniel is on his way, I'm sure being taken by the soldiers or by the workers, to be taken into the lion's den. And now, if I'm Daniel, I, I'm really thinking, I'm really doubting right now. Okay, God, you didn't rescue me in my home like I thought you would. You didn't rescue me here in the palace like I thought you would. And now, as Daniel is about to get thrown into the lion's den... Sure, he can hear the roar of the lions. He can smell the lions. As he's getting tossed in, like, that has to be the moment where, like, all hope is lost, right? Like, like here, here's where obedience got me, right? Like, God didn't come through for me 
before. God, God must have turned his back. God must have abandoned. God must have left. It's the end of his rope. It's the end of all hope. He, he's got nothing else. He's getting ready to be thrown in the den. But isn't it funny how that is where God rescues Daniel? Didn't do it in the home or the palace, but in the den with the lions. And here's something I, I think I've learned about God is that God Sometimes he loves me and he loves you enough to get us to the end of our rope, to get us where it seems we've got no other options, to to get us to the lion's den so he can show you, you can trust me in the lion's den. Oh, look, I would love it. Life would be way more fun and way more convenient if God would always rescue me in my home. Come on, somebody. Don't you wish God always rescues you in the easiest, most nice, convenient way? Even the palace would be nice on occasion, God. Like, just scare me, test me a little bit, but always come through. But God, in his grace, in his love, in his mercy for us, he gets us to the lion's den so we know God is still faithful right here in the den. God is still the God of the lion's den. Uh, probably a few years ago, I was at the gym. And uh, I told Pastor Eric, I was like, man, that's the last time I was at the gym, a few years ago. I'll start to go next January, right? I was there, and this, this guy walks in. And when I say this guy, I mean, like, this guy. This dude's, like, muscles had muscles had muscles that had muscles. You know what I mean? He's one of those dudes, like, you just see him at the gym. You're like, do you live here? You know, one of those guys. He goes straight to the inclined bench press. Okay, it's the inclined bench with the bar above your head on the rack, and you bring the bar down to your chest, and you lift it up like that, and, and it works out your chest. And so this guy comes over, goes straight to the inclined bench press, and he begins to put on lots of weight. Like his warm-up set was like way more than my max. You know what I mean? So he goes over there, and he's just throwing this weight through the ceiling. Like he's got just nothing on the bar, you know? His first set, he's just like, boom, you know, just crushing it. And, and then he gets up, and he's all pumped and stuff, and he throws more weight on there. And he sits down again, boom, 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 and does some more. And he's two sets, three sets in, and I'm not making this up. He has used all of the weights at his weight station. So he decides to get up and go to someone else's weight station, get their weights, and begin to add them. And each time he does this, I'm thinking, like, surely he's got to be done. But he gets up and adds a little bit more. And no exaggeration, there is a slight bend to the bar. Kind of see it arching. And this guy's serious weight. And this entire time, I am not lifting at all. I'm just watching him. <laughs> I'm like, does this make me stronger, you know? <laughs> he's doing amazing. Each time I'm like, he's got to be done. He does another one. He's got to be done. He adds more weight. Finally, he gets down for this one set, and he pulls the weight off the rack. He brings it down to his chest, and he starts bringing it back up. And all of a sudden, it just stops right here. <laughs> if you know anything about lifting or working out, uh, when momentum has stopped, you are done. <laughs> done, 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 done. Game over. There is no such thing as a, come on, buddy, you, can, you are done. That many steps in, that much weight. When momentum stopped and he started going back down, the game was over. And he is freaking out. You can see he's got veins popping. His eyes are big. Sheer panic on his face. He's like looking around like this. And I'm looking back at him. I'm like, bro, I can't help you. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I can't help Like, Lord, lift the burden. Like, I don't know. I can't help you. 
right as he was like freaking out and it, it was obvious he wasn't getting the weight up and what he didn't know was right before that last set, a lot of people were watching and observing this whole thing go down because it was, it was incredible. And a trainer from the gym had seen him from, from across the weight room, and the trainer had actually come around the room. And right before he started that last set, the trainer just stepped right up on the spotting stand. And as soon as the weight started to go back down, the trainer just reached down and grabbed the weight and put it back on the rack. And, of course, the guy was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, The whole time I'm sitting there kind of off to the side, again, not lifting, <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching this whole thing go down, and I'm like, I think this is a picture of our God so many times, isn't it? Like, like man, when, when the weight of life seems so, so heavy, and we are out of hope, and we are out of options, and help seems very distant and very far, and, and we're just at the end of our rope, like Daniel was at the end of his rope in the lion's den, and this is true of our lives. It's often in those moments where we feel like God is absent and unwilling and unable, but it's actually in those moments where God has stepped up on the spotting rack, and he said, I am right here, and I am very willing and very able, and in God's timing, God reaches down, and God does what only God can do. But listen, part of trusting God is trusting his timing, right? Trusting that, God, I, I would love for your timing to be this and this, but even in the lion's den, even when I don't understand, even when I'm out of options, God, I'm going to trust your timing. See, trusting God includes trusting his timing. How many know God's timing is not our, our timing? God's ways are not our ways. But if we step back and think about it for a moment, aren't we glad God's ways are not our ways? Look, you don't want a God that has Nate's ways. I want a God whose ways are higher, whose ways are better. And even when I don't understand his ways, even when I understand his timing, I can trust him. Daniel shows us you can trust God in the lion's den. And maybe you're here this morning and the season of life you're in is not where you thought you'd be right now. Maybe you're frustrated with God's timing and you wanted to be somewhere else and you're not. And, and you've got wheels spinning and, and you feel like you're stuck. And I came here from Virginia to tell you this morning, you can trust God's timing in your life. His ways are higher. You don't have to understand it, but I came here to encourage you, trust his timing. He's the God of the lion's den. You may be in the lion's den this morning. And I can tell you, I don't know when you're going to get out of it, but I know God is with you in it. God's the God of the lion's den. God is the God who is on time. His timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. But we can trust his timing. We can trust his presence in our lives. And Daniel shows us, man, he's the God of the lion's den. He's the God of the lion's den. You know, if I had to give you one, one phrase, one takeaway to kind of hold on to this morning, because here's what's going to happen. After today, you're going to go home, and tomorrow, your, your week starts, and, and life sets in, and, and maybe you've got difficult decisions to make, just like Daniel did, or maybe you're in a lion's den season where, where it's tough right now, and God seems distant. Like, in those moments, how do you know you can trust God? What's something you can hold on to to know, hey, I can trust God right now, even when I don't understand? The one thing I want to give you this morning, if you don't hear anything else, is these three words. You can trust God because God is faithful. God is faithful. There's a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says this, verse number 13, if we are faithless, okay, if, if you've got zero faith, if you've got nothing, nothing, he remains faithful. Come on, anybody thankful for that? For he cannot disown himself. 
Look, the scriptures are telling us something about God, and that is God's faithfulness is not dependent on me or you. If we are faithless, he's still faithful. No matter what you do, no matter what goes on around you, you can count on the fact that God is faithful because it's who he is. The scripture says he can't disown himself. God is faithfulness. He is faithful. It's who he is. Because it's not dependent on me or you, we can count on the fact and take it to the bank. God is faithful. Come on, anybody glad this morning that God is a faithful God and it's not dependent on me and you? Scriptures tell us he's faithful. And listen, because that's who he is, that's who he must be to you. Because that's who he is, he cannot be anything but faithful to you. You know, me and my wife, in our first year of marriage, we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for our first little vacation. And uh, up there in the Smoky Mountains and stuff, and we had never been before. And so we were just looking for stuff to do. And uh, they had tubing down the rivers in the mountains. So we were like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. So, like, we just went one day, and you kind of show up. It's like a little cabin. And we show up, and it's like a beautiful day. It's in the spring. It's like 75 degrees and sunny. And we show up, and uh, the place is a ghost town. There's no one there. We're like, ah, I'm sure we beat the crowd, you know. <laughs> so we show up, and how it works is you, you, you pay at the little cabin, and you get your tube, your inner tube, and then they put you in a van with your inner tubes and they drive you up the mountain and they drop you off at the river and then you ride the river back down to your car, to the cabin. And so we pay it again. We're the only ones there and we hop in the van with the guy and we're just chatting, you know, talking and stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, a lot of people out there today. You know, he's like, no, you guys are the first ones, you know, praise the Lord. You know, So we're just, you know, chatting and talking or whatever. We get up to the top and he's unloading our tube and stuff. And literally, this is how it goes. Because, yeah, you know, guys, it's, uh, it's been snowing up at the top of the mountain. So, like, the ice and snow is melting and coming down the water. Have a good ride. Gets in the car and drives away. <laughs> I looked at my wife. I was like, that better have been a joke. <laughs> like, funny dude. <laughs> you know. <sighs> so we're like, okay. So we get our tubes and we're, like, walking down the little trail. And we get to the river and we... We put our feet in, and, like, the dude wasn't joking. Like, it's kind of cold. Like, it, it, it makes your heart skip a few beats. You're like, <gasps> So we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're like, we got two miles down this river to go. It's ice cold. And my wife, something you got to know about my wife, if it's, like, 85 degrees, she's got, like, nine sweatshirts on and four blankets. Always cold, you know? So I was like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. We got two miles to go, you know, whatever. And so, again, remember, I'm a planner, strategy, have everything together. So I drew up a game plan. <laughs> I was like, all right, listen, babe, here's how we're going to do this. If you sit on the tube like so, and there's like this way you could do it where you didn't touch the water that much. If you sit on it like this, you won't get wet. The water will, you know, won't touch it too much. And then, and then we can like paddle. So like when the water's slow, like we don't have to just drift and take four hours to get down this thing. We can just go. We'll hit the rapids. And then when it slows down again, we can go. And we'll be done in 20 minutes. We can move on with life. Ready, set, break. She didn't like my plan. <laughs> she wanted to go down together. <laughs> and uh, it's like, okay, you know, so we're at the slow parts again, going all slow. And I'm like, I'm like, let's get out of here, but it's fine. So we're kind of like sitting there. And then, you know, the tubes have the handles on the side. And so she wanted to like hold on to, to my tube so we could like go down you know, together. 
So it's fine. We're sitting there, or whatever. But the problem when she's holding on to my tube, she's got like her leg like over and she's like, just t- taking over my tube, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, the problem with it was I could no longer control my tube, you know. It's so like we're going, whatever. But after a few seconds, like I'm kind of like turned sideways now, and uh, and stuff. And it's fine when it's when it's going all slow. But I'm like, hey, babe, can you can you just like let let go so I can like turn around and then we could you know like link up again and whatever. But the whole time she's just like. I'm like, just, just, just let go for a second, you know, but just the whole time. So, again, it was fine. I just kind of went with it. Like, I'm riding backwards, like sideways, kind of going down, like bumping off rocks and stuff like that. And then it, it was fine until I heard the first group of rapids approaching. You, know? you kind of hear them. You can't really see them. But I'm backwards at this point, and I'm like, babe, let go. <laughs> let go! You know, like, you know, literally, as we're coming up on it, like rapids, you can hear them. You can see the rocks and stuff. But literally, the whole time, just... I'm like, let it go. Listen, she would not, it didn't matter what I said, what I did, where we were going, what rocks we were about to hit. Like the whole time, just. (laughs) Listen, how this story ends, and the preface to this is we're happily married. (laughs) She literally wouldn't let go on the rapids. My tube got stuck on a rock and it popped and we walked two miles back. Come on, somebody. Yeah, we're happily married and love God. Come on, give it up for Jesus. <laughs> He's been good. Literally, oh my gosh, no matter what I said, did, no matter what we were coming on, like turned all kinds of directions, she was boom, latched on, wasn't moving, wasn't budging. It was stuck. It was happening. Listen, some of y'all are like, where are you going with this, bro? Listen, when it comes to the faithfulness of God, 2 Timothy says he cannot be anything but faithful because he can't disown himself. He will be faithful. In your life and in your story and in your situation, you need to know the faithfulness of God in the tube of life has just got you like this. And look, you may, you may not see it, you may not feel it, you may not know where God is, you may be questioning God, you may not even want God to be faithful, but it's who he is. So the faithfulness of God in your life is just, just there. God is faithful. He cannot be anything but faithful. He will always be faithful. He has been, will, is today, and will be. It's who he is. He cannot deny himself. How do you know you can trust him? He's faithful. He's faithful. Look, the, the greatest story of God's faithfulness is not even Daniel and the lion's den, although that's awesome. The greatest picture of God's faithfulness is actually the cross of Jesus. You know, the cross of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, it's a picture of 2 Timothy 2.13. If we're faithless, he is faithful. Look, did you know that you were faithless? I was faithless? You know, at one point in our lives, I've had the decision and you've had the decision, do I want to do things my own way or God's way? Do I want to talk my way or God's way? Do I, right? And all of us have chosen our way. God has set a standard of perfection, and all of us have missed it and missed it bad. We have been faithless. The Bible just calls it sin, missing the standard that God has set for us. We have been faithless, but God was faithful to go to the cross for us. Even when we were faithless, he was faithful. The the people that put Jesus on the cross, they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and they whipped him and they mocked him and they cursed him and they laughed at him. They were faithless, yet Jesus was faithful to die for them. Even when we're faithless, 
he will be faithful. And I, I, I want to encourage some of you this morning, as you hear me tell you that God is faithful and he can't be anything but faithful, maybe you're, you're, you're doubting this morning because you're asking yourself, okay, Nate, if God is faithful, then how is this still happening in my life? If God is still faithful, why is the doctor report getting worse? If God is still faithful, why are my kids getting farther away from the Lord? If God is still faithful, right, fill in the blank. It's easy for our circumstance to talk us out of the faithfulness of God, isn't it? But listen, I want to encourage you this morning. If you're doubting the faithfulness of God, if you're questioning the faithfulness of God, for just a moment this morning, I want to remove your eyes off your situation and remove them back to the cross. To remind you that, hey, you were faithless, but God was faithful for you. You were faithless. You were far from God. Your greatest need is not anything going on in your life right now. Your greatest need was your sin need. You needed your sins forgiven by someone greater and perfect, more perfect than you. And on the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid for our greatest need. Jesus took care of our greatest problem. He was faithful to it. And so if you're doubting the faithfulness of God today, friend, look to the cross to remind yourself he has been faithful and he will be faithful today. God is faithful. Because he's faithful, that's who he must be in my life and your life. And the scriptures are scattered with, with verse and verse and verse that says God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. He's a God of faithfulness. We could, we could be here for the next hour just reading the scripture verses that say he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. And how many know if one verse said it, that's enough. But all over the scripture, it's great is his faithfulness. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Come on, anybody glad today? God is faithful. Who he is. And look, I'll, I'll finish with this. We already talked about, look, if you don't trust God, you've got no faith, God's still faithful. You, you don't change who God is. But the great part about this, one of my favorite parts about all this is, is if you decide to trust God, then his power will be displayed in your life. Right? Trusting God displays God's power. If you don't trust him, he's still faithful. But if you do, your life will now display the power of God. Your life will now be turned into a billboard for the fact that God is good and God is faithful. And look, I'll show you exactly what I mean. In Daniel chapter 6, again, Daniel's thrown in the lion's den and he's rescued. And right after Daniel's rescued, here's what the Bible tells us in verse number 25 of Daniel 6. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth. So, so this king is about to make a decree to everyone in his whole kingdom. Here's what he says to them. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. If you're anything like me, when you read this scripture, you're like, hold on, hold on, time out, time out, time out. 20 verses before this, King Darius is signing into law, pray to me. I am God. 
If you don't pray to me, if you don't bow your knee to me, if you don't worship me, you're dead. I'm God. Any other God you want to worship, I'm going to kill you because I am God. 20 verses later, Daniel's God's the living God. Daniel's God, he's, he's the one true God. His kingdom will never end. He does signs and he does wonders. He, he rescues and he saves. He, he, his, his kingdom will never end. And, and we have to ask the question, in 20 verses, what happened? These were two decrees that were polar opposites. The script has been flipped. What happened to King Darius? Look, hear me. King Darius did not hear a good sermon. King Darius did not attend a great church service. King Darius saw the power of God displayed in the life of Daniel, who trusted him. There was this show, um, it's been off the air for a while now, it was very popular, I guess five to ten years ago, called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Do you guys remember the show? If you haven't heard of the show, the premise of the show is the show finds a family in a community that's serving people and helping a lot of people. But because of the size of their home, they're limited. So the show comes in and they send the family off to Disney World for a week and they wreck their old home. They level it. They destroy it. And while the family's gone, they build a beautiful, massive, customly designed mansion for this family and for the needs of the community. It's an incredible show, incredible like premise of what they do. And so they've got this new mansion built, this massive house, customly designed for the family. And they bring the family back into town to see their new home for the first time. And they've got them riding down their street in a limo. And there's thousands of people lining the streets and TV cameras out and, and people cheering and celebrating. This family is going to see their new home. And they let the family off right in the middle of the road, right in front of their massive new mansion, their massive house. But there's something between the family and the house. What's that? The bus, right? There's a massive tour bus blocking their view. They can't see their home yet. So they're kind of standing there waiting. And all of a sudden, a cheer begins to erupt in the streets. Move that bus. Move that bus. Move that bus. Move that bus. And all of a sudden, the bus starts up. And the bus slowly drives away. And then it goes to commercial. <laughs> Don't you hate that? But then what's really interesting is you think they would show you the house, but they show you the reaction of the family. And the reactions of the family are crazy, aren't they? <laughs> like you've got the dad. He's like trying to be like manly and tough, and, but he really wants to cry. And you can tell. Then you've got the mom. She's got a waterfall of makeup coming down her face. Oh, <laughs> And the kids, the kids' reactions are the best, right? The kids are like crowd surfing down the streets. They're like, that is my house. That's my house. And you can come over, you can come over, you can come over, you can come over. That's my house. That's my house. And all of us are sitting at home and we're watching all the reactions. And we're all like, show me the house. Show me the house. Look, because of what we see in the family, we all want to see what they're looking at. Because of what we see in them, we want to know what it is. 
Listen, when you make a decision as a follower of Jesus and as a church to say, we're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. God's power and faithfulness will be displayed in your life. And there is a watching world and there is a city. There's people in Santa Fe that will look at you and will look at this church and will look at your lives. And they don't know God, but they'll say, I want to see what you're looking at. I want to see this God you serve. I want to see this God you trust. I want to see because your life will display the goodness and the power of God if you trust him. If you trust him. What a beautiful opportunity that we then have as the church to show people the God that was faithful to us and he'll be faithful to them. Anybody believe that this morning? Come on, put it up for Jesus. Hey, I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes right where you are here for a few moments. Just for a moment of focus and concentration just between you and the Lord right now. I want to ask a few few different questions here this morning, and the first one is this. Maybe maybe you're here this morning, and maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've been here a few times. Maybe a friend invited you, or maybe you just rolled in here because you thought you were coming to a movie and you found yourself in church. I don't know your story, but I know that God knows, and I know that you're not here by accident, and you're here because God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And today we've talked about the fact that we were faithless, That we've all sinned and we've all done the wrong thing and said the wrong thing and thought the wrong thing. And maybe today you're sitting here in this theater and you're aware of the fact that you're a sinner. You're aware of the fact that you've done the wrong thing, said the wrong thing. And you're also aware of the fact that you cannot be the forgiver of your own sins. And you cannot be the leader of your own life. And maybe today for the first time, you want to you wanna ask Jesus to do that for you. The good news is 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he knew you wouldn't have it all together. And he knew you would mess up. And so he went to the cross to pay for your sins for you. So that you wouldn't have to get your life together, but so that you would have to lean into him and trust him. And by faith, God will save you and God will forgive you. And maybe you're here this morning and you walked in this theater far from God. You said, Nate, I'm, I'm here this morning and I'm aware of the fact that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to forgive me. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick so I can see you. Slip your hand up real quick so I can see you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. If that was you this morning, in just a moment, I want to lead you in a prayer. But I want you to hear me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. Saying this prayer does not save you. What saves you is your heart acknowledging your need for Christ and crying out for him. And so if your heart is in that position this morning, I would pray something like this. I want you to just pray this with me in your heart. And for the benefit of everyone that said this for the first time, I'm going to ask all of us to say this out loud with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth and dying for my sins. I believe that you're the son of God. I confess my sin to you and ask you to forgive me. Ask you to be the Lord and leader of my life. From this day forward, no turning back. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, put put your hands together for those that made a decision. Amen. Hey, listen, for those of you, in just a second, Pastor Eric's going to come and He's going to have some next steps for you. But I want you to know this is not the end of your journey with Jesus. It's the beginning. This is not the finish line for you. It's the starting blocks 
to what God wants to do in your life. And if you would let me real quick before Pastor Eric comes, I want to pray over you as a people and as a church that God would use you as a billboard in Santa Fe to display God's power. Come on, would you pray with me? Let's believe God to continue his great here in Santa Fe. God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for your people, God. We thank you for Pastor Eric and his heart and his leadership here, God, and for every person that calls this church home, God. I pray that your continued blessing will be poured out on this house, God, on these people. Lord, I believe and pray that the best days for the Grove are still in front of them, that the best days for Santa Fe are still in front of them. God, that the people of this city will come to know God. And the people of this city that are in bondage will know freedom that's found in Christ. So Lord, I pray for your church and for your people that you would help them to trust you, God. Help them to to walk in a greater trust, in a greater faith than ever before, God, that you may use their life and use their faith to display your goodness here. Amen, amen, and amen.